All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a Monday, February 20th edition of Daily Faceoff Live. We are streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, as well as, of course, dailyfaceoff.com. He's former NHL netminder, current Daily Faceoff analyst, Mike McKenna. Mike, what's going on? 11 days until the deadline. We've got plenty to talk about. Yeah, we do. An awful lot happened over the weekend. And this weekend's still going in America with President's Day. And as you can see, I look like an infomercial for my daughter's youth hockey team, the Kirkwood Youth Hockey Association. Well, guess what? We got one game down and another to go, but we got plenty from this weekend and leading up to deadline to talk about between us. Talking puck from the rink. I love it. What's more apt than that? Uh, lots to get to, as we mentioned. Uh, some breaking news this morning as well. The New York Islanders, their playoff chances taking a significant hit with Matt Barzell. The team announcing is going to be out indefinitely. So that's a big one as the Islanders wake up this morning sitting in 11th place in the Eastern Conference by points percentage. But let's dive in and let's talk about that humongous St. Louis Blues, Tampa, or Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, blockbuster from Friday night. And let's start with a Blues perspective because we're going to have David Alter joining us shortly to talk in depth on the Leaf side. But let's take a look at this trade from the St. Louis Blues perspective. In the course of a week, they have Vladimir Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly out the door. No real surprise there. But when you look at what they get in return, this is a haul for the Blues in both both trades when you add them together. Absolutely. I mean, Nolachari is also out the door, defenseman Nico Mikola. So, you know, the Blues did give up unrestricted free agents, but look at the haul that Doug Armstrong's gotten for a team in St. Louis that, you know, 
has been in the playoff picture, at least ancillary for most of the year. I think he was smart to sell because you can see, I mean, you're looking at Blues have three first round picks this year. Okay. They can move those. They can keep them. They got a lot of options with it. Um, they get a third rounder this year, 2024. They get a second and a fourth. And they get Sammy Blay back. Blay's an unrestricted free agent, but he's fit before in St. Louis. So maybe there's uh, something in the future there, Frank. I just think that Doug Armstrong approached this trade deadline in a very smart way, knowing that Tarasenko was definitely gone. O'Reilly was going to get a big return. Uh, and to couple it with Achari and along with Mikola, he's gotten a boatload, man. And he may not be done. There's still Ivan Barbashev sitting out there who I think could even get up to a second-round pick. I Honestly, I think with the way Barbashev played last year, 26 goals and 60 points, and then you see the return, the ancillary pieces that came with O'Reilly, who was also having a down year, that there's been enough interest in Barbashev to this point that I wouldn't be shocked if they are looking in the late first round stages. And then what about their defense? There's been some rumblings about Colton Pareko potentially being available. I think his stock has actually dipped a little bit when you consider he's also in the first year of an eight-year deal and his play just hasn't quite been up to the level that it was a couple years back when the St. Louis Blues were on that run to the Stanley Cup and in that constant contention category. And they're also looking at the four guys that they have on their blue line in the top four all have no trade clauses. So I think Barbashev is for sure uh, the next piece to move from the St. Louis Blues. And if you could add that other late first round pick that we were talking about for Barbashev, that would give the Blues four and what many believe is a historically deep draft, Mike. Don't count on the Blues using all of those picks. I've talked about this many times. Go back and look at Doug Armstrong's playbook. He has a solid core in place with Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, Braden Shen. And then we just talked about some of the defensemen that they have there. Well, he could probably take some of those picks and then move them for help right now. That's actually how they got Braden Shen from the Flyers in the first place, taking the pick that they got from the Kevin Shattenkirk trade and then using that to improve the team right in the near term. So with all eyes focused, Mike, on Ryan O'Reilly uh, joining the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday, he makes his debut. I think one of the other real intriguing storylines was Patrick Kane and the weekend that he mm -hmm. had for the Chicago Blackhawks. He nets a hat trick on Sunday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And a lot of people viewed that as him raising a finger saying, hey, New York Rangers, <laughs> you don't want to trade for me? Toronto Maple Leafs, you don't want to trade for me. Both those teams go out and acquire different pieces I'm still here. I'm still an assassin. He has five goals in his last two games and certainly seems to be putting to bed at least the idea that his hip is in the way of his production. Yeah, I think it was a pretty big statement game, Frank. And the way that Kane scored the goals, first one clean shot through the D's feet. Second one, he waits out Ilya Samson of the Toronto Maple Leafs goaltender, slips at five hole, takes a confident play to do that. Even saw one of our squirt kids do it this morning, Frank. He must have been watching highlights last night. Uh, and then the third goal was shades of 2010 when Patrick Kane scored from the bad angle on Michael Layton of the Flyers to win the Stanley Cup. So, yeah, he's inspired, man. Um but he did address the rumors, or at least the talk of the Toronto Maple Leafs having been a potential fit and saying that, I don't know how much discussion there was. And he kind of downplayed it. Um, but here's the thing that I found interesting about Kane's comments, Frank. He said, if he knew that there'd be something going on, he said, I'd probably make that decision already. And I'm like, 
does that mean there's been stuff on the table he's shot down? Like, I was curious about that. Or is he just waiting for the perfect fit? There's communication between him and the Blackhawks. So Kane's still driving the bus here, but I wonder how many suitors are going to be left for him, Frank. Well, I think that's the real big question is not only how many suitors are left, but also how many suitors are left that Patrick Kane would be interested in going to. Mm -hmm. So you, like you said, cross off Toronto. They can't make it work with assets or cap. Probably cross off the Rangers, although it's not out of the realm of possibility. They have the assets and they could make the cap space work. But I don't really see the need once you've added a player like Tarasenko. That kind of leaves to me three potential fits in terms of uh, Kane and the, the next destination. And I think of Edmonton is one. I think of the Vegas Golden Knights and potentially trying to replace Mark Stone. And then I also think of the Dallas Stars. But what's really interesting is how much of this deal might be being discussed directly between uh, Kane's agent and Pat Brisson and some of these teams without necessarily involving the Blackhawks to start because you can't really, it's a, it's a unique trade in that circumstance. You can't really begin talking to the Blackhawks until you can get some kind of idea from Kane's camp as to whether or not he'd be interested in going there because he's mm -hmm. not going anywhere without his own approval. Yeah, and that's where I kind of wonder, maybe the boat got missed? I don't know. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. It just gets murky when you've got a player with a complete no-move clause that's in control of the situation. It's tough to be choosy. It's not always going to work like it did for Claude Giroux last year going to Florida and the one destination he really was attracted to. Yeah, I, I would say here's the thing. I don't think anything has any boat has been missed behind the scenes. I think Patrick Kane has been slow to act. I think he's been curious uh, but hasn't really engaged in that substantive discussion that we were all kind of hoping might happen to this point to rev things up. And until he can come to grips with the idea of it himself, like I said, he's not going anywhere. And neither is his teammate and longtime Blackhawks captain Jonathan Taves. As I reported on Sunday, and then the team issued a statement to follow, um, came, uh, Pat, Jonathan Taves, excuse me, too many names in my head, Jonathan Taves, <laughs> uh, they made a joint decision on Sunday to pull him off of the trade market. He's not going anywhere as he needs more time to focus on recovery from his latest illness. Certainly some tough news, Mike. And when you think about the statement that Jonathan Taves put out uh, dealing with symptoms of long COVID and chronic immune response syndrome, it, this really has been a challenge for him this season. You could tell it's impacted his play on the ice. Um, you could tell for someone that's been a fitness freak and in unbelievable shape his entire life, he just doesn't look the same. And this has taken a toll to the point where not only does it not make sense to move, but I think the larger question that no one's really been willing to ask or say out loud, as it remains possible that Taves does come back at some point in March, is could this potentially be it for Jonathan Taves and his career? Well, he's already missed an entire full season of hockey, Frank. You have to wonder that. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. And I'd hate for that to be the case for somebody as legendary as Taves to have to walk to walk away from the game, uh, not on his terms. It's never what you want to see as an athlete. Um, but, the, you know, even the ramifications beyond that, I mean, first, you just hope he's healthy, right? And, and they say that he, right, from what you're reporting on, he should be okay long-term and everything. But to be able to be an athlete, and that's what defines you, that's a big core, big piece of your core that's missing. So, yeah, when you project that out even further, though, boy, I wonder, Frank, what does this do to the center market, right? There's not many centermen left available right now. I mean, you're looking Sam Lafferty, Max Domi, Nick Bonino, like O'Reilly's gone, Horvat's gone. Taves was kind of like the last bull in the chamber for some of these teams. So um, on a couple of different ways, I think that this, this makes things just really interesting now around the league 
to see what could potentially happen. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I also don't think that too many teams were holding their breath with Taves, given the illness and what he'd been going through recently, because you look at his games played, his, his last game was January 28th. Like We're approaching the end of February and had still not made his way back to the ice yet. Uh, there was the All-Star break and, of course, bye week in between, but there didn't even really seem to be signs of hope that he'd be getting back on the ice soon. So uh, that certainly raised some significant eyebrows and, and drew some attention from teams saying, hey, this guy has struggled producing this season. He's not at the level that we're all accustomed to. Uh, what is going on behind the scenes. And so we wish uh, Jonathan Taves the best and, and hope to see him back on the ice soon. It would be great to see him back on the ice at some point this season to at least just put a bow on what's been an unbelievable career in Chicago, three Stanley Cups and a chock-full trophy case to go along with the hundred-plus million dollars that he's earned in his career. Let's talk about a small trade between the New York Rangers and Ottawa Senators that took place on Sunday. Tyler Mott heading back to Madison Square Garden. He was traded from the Vancouver Canucks to New York last year at the deadline, actually on deadline day itself in exchange for a fourth round pick. This time around, the Sens, who signed Mott to a one-year, $1.35 million deal in the summer, have traded Mott to the Rangers where he is reunited, I guess, with Gerard Gallant. I would imagine he's one of the driving forces there behind a deal like that as a coach. You think, hey, let's get this guy in our lineup. We loved what he brought last year. And in return, they trade Julian Gauthier back to the Ottawa Senators. He helps make some of the money work, although the cap space isn't really an issue for the Rangers, uh, but it's a small cap change for the Rangers bringing in Mott, as well as a conditional seventh round pick that becomes a sixth round pick should the New York Rangers win one round. So Mott, going back to New York, what does he do for New York? Well, Mott really rounds out that fourth line for me, Frank. You know, he everybody can remember what Mott did for the Vancouver Canucks in their last playoff series, especially against the Vegas Golden Knights a few years ago. Eating pucks left and right, selling out for the team, killing penalties, skates pretty well. The offensive side of his game isn't what's brought him to New York. It's there. It's fine. He's got nine goal, nine points this year um, in the games that he's played so far. But I think the biggest thing is to just create a fourth line that is fearsome from a defensive standpoint that can also skate. And Goche, realistically to me, never fit that well in the fourth line. He should be a player that's higher up in the lineup. It's just that Goche's never really produced at the NHL level like he did in the American League. I remember playing against him in the American League, and Goche was awesome, man. Uh, offensive, I mean, he had 26 goals in 44 games in the American League in his last year, but it hasn't translated at the NHL. So as an RFA, Ottawa gets a player. Maybe Goche is somebody they like, they want to hang on to, but that pick is kind of what you're getting from Mott. Mott was a UFA anyway. And, and like I say, I think Mott just makes the Rangers even tougher to play against. There's not a big change in what there was for salary cap, about half million dollar difference in the two of them. So um, I think Mott just really solidifies that bottom six for Gerard Gallant and the Rangers. Mike, if you're looking at it from a Rangers perspective, do they need to do anything else as you get closer to deadline day? And the reason I ask is because Chris Drury was so aggressive last year, adding four players at the deadline, spending a bunch of picks on rentals that ended up walking. They added Tarasenko, now Mott. Is there another position that you can think of? And we had Mikola on the board as well earlier. Let's not forget about him. Is there somewhere else that the Rangers need to address between now and March 3rd? Well, we know it's not a goaltender. Okay. Um, uh, but I do wonder, you know, if does somebody slide in to maybe play fourth line center for this team? Is Jake Lecision the player that they want to have moving forward? He was a waiver pickup from Vegas that hasn't scored a goal all season long. So 
that's the one area I would kind of look to. Maybe they could find a center to play some fourth line minutes. But uh, I think if Chris Drury had to walk into playoffs with the team that he has now, I would feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I think probably good reason to feel good about it. And I think we're all watching toward that uh, collision course. It seems like the New York Rangers are on to potentially face the New Jersey Devils in round one. That would make some great theater. The Hudson rivalry renewed in a big way this spring, if that is indeed the case. Let's get to this week's edition of the All 32. Let's dive into the Toronto Maple Leafs with David Alter. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That's right. Pleased to welcome back to Daily Faceoff Live our friend David Alter from inside the Maple Leafs. Uh, he's done a great job covering this team all season long. One of the only guys, maybe the only guy, that's on the road every practice and game with the Toronto Maple Leafs. If you're not following David Alter, you should be. And David, we've had about 60 hours or so to process this trade of Ryan O'Reilly joining the Leafs. And when you look at it, what, what do you make of it? What's the biggest thing that stands out for you? There's so many different ways to go with this and not necessarily from a price perspective, because I think everyone agrees that it is a steep price to pay. But I guess my question is, what would need to happen for the Toronto Maple Leafs to consider this trade a success when it's all said and done? Well, I think a deep playoff run is number one. I mean, there's no, there's no secret that this is a pure rental play here when you get two guys uh, who play the center position and are expiring at the end of the year. And as you mentioned, a steep price with all the picks, including their first rounder this year. But, um, you know, around a couple of rounds, something. I mean, the big thing has always been get some form of playoff success, show that you're making progress in that department. And so the number one takeaway for me in all of this is not even just the fact that it's Ryan O'Reilly, that it's pure center depth that the Leafs have been lacking, uh, finding someone like Nola Chari that can really 
craft out what the bottom six should look like and a bottom six that could compete with some of the other bottom sixes and the opponents that they could actually uh, play against and and getting someone like Ryan O'Reilly who can perhaps move John Tavares and make him more optimal on that wing like we've seen in those two games so for me the big takeaway is not just Ryan O'Reilly but the center depth that they have at that position which really had been lacking I thought they were uh, in need for a third line center. And by doing this, they, addre they addressed the top six winger by being able to move Tavares, but also uh, getting some of that, uh, that depth at center in the bottom six and Achari as well. Yeah, if I were Kyle Dubas, I think I would have made this trade as well. And I also wonder though, is there more coming? Because the defense and the goaltending still makes me nervous. I don't think we'll see movement on goaltending. So let's target that back, lot, back end. And Think about the fact that this club now has nine pending UFAs, okay? So if they were to make a play to go out and grab a defenseman, do you think they would go towards another rental? Or could they hypothetically try to grab somebody with some term? Because I'm not sure how Dubas is going to pull it off, but I think I would still want to be able to add on the blue line if I was looking to contend this year. Yeah, I mean, this is a difficult one to craft because if you look at all these trades that Kyle Dubas has made near the deadline, they all have the same identity. Picks prospects that are not factored into your top tier and no one on the roster and you have to wonder at some point or another you're going to have to do something with your roster uh, to if you want to improve it or grab someone with term you either have to move someone off the roster or give up a top prospect because you just don't have assets the Leafs only have a fifth and sixth round pick going into the 2023 draft so if they want to do that, if they want to get some depth at the goaltending position uh, for the future, or at least uh, let, let's talk defensively, because that's probably more realistic and someone with term there where it's, it's going to cost. And so if they do that, it's got to be someone that they feel could be a real game changer, like Jake Muzzin was when they did that trade back in 2019. Because if they, if they do anything else, they have to really make a play that this is someone who's going to factor into their top four and make a difference in the playoffs. Other than that, it's probably just another pure rental play. Luke Shen gets thrown around a lot as someone who can kind of fit in there, but they do have Jordy Ben. They have a couple of other guys. They have Victor Mente who's hurt as well that could factor in, and they do like their their look at the top six. But I do agree, Mike, that you do need some insurance because a lot of these guys, especially the younger guys, have not proven it yet in the playoffs, and you kind of want to have that piece there just in case, you know, the Lilligrens or the Sandines don't make that step in this year's playoff run. Yeah, David, I, I have kind of a funny question here. What is the status of Matt Murray? And I was saying to someone today, they were like, well, hey, look, the Leafs have four and change million dollars in cap space. They could just go out and add. And I'm saying, well, what about activating Murray? And the question that I got back was, do they have to? Like, is this one of those situations where the Leafs, given what Murray's been dealing with, uh, could they potentially wait until uh, just before the playoffs start and then activate Matt Murray? I don't see them going down that path, but give us the latest on what's going on with Murray. Yeah, so he's been skating with Curtis Sanford. And, you know, by all accounts of everything, technically he looks fine. I know they're kind of trying to rebuild him. Like, I, I watch the the goaltending coach and Murray dialogue that happens a lot before practice you know there, you see everything like how to hold the stick how to kind of move post to post and a lot of different things that just kind of look like they're rebuilding him again which is kind of interesting but also kind of makes for the justification of he's not ready in case they make that decision that 
he's not ready to come back. And so I think ideally, based on what the Leafs do and what's on the table, if they want to eat into that cap space to make a deal and, and they have to require it, they absolutely do not have to make any sort of move. And it it's kind of eerily similar to 2021 when Frederick Anderson was hurt. They didn't have to do anything with his cap hit. And then with 11 or 10 games to go, they had Zach, uh, Zach Hyman and and uh, Bogosian get hurt, and they were able to kind of move the LTI money around to allow Anderson one last regular season game before the playoffs began. So certainly that's not unprecedented. We've seen Vegas move around LTI money like that before. Um, there's no timeline on Murray's return. Every time we've asked, they, they've just not put a timeline on it. All they've said is February 28th is the earliest he could be activated if they choose to do that and if he's ready. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of different permutations that could happen with that cap money. And I, it wouldn't surprise me if they actually did go into that, if it's going to help them build out their roster and then kind of worry about the six weeks that are remaining and what injuries may happen to kind of interchange that money if they have to. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see if we could put together uh, and put to bed maybe one thing that's been hanging out there. You use the term pure rental when it comes to O'Reilly. That's how I see him. I wrote that he was a rental the other day, and all these Leaf fans were in my replies and mentions on social media saying, how do you know? And, you know, I, I guess if you look at, um, you know, what happened with, with Mark Giordano, and I think that's just a totally different scenario and situation. He's 38. It is from Toronto and is in one of those spots where he's like, look, maybe he got a chance to even peruse the market. Free agency was was opening uh, when he decided to come back to the Leafs. That's not necessarily the case with O'Reilly. And I just look at the Leafs cap situation. I say 32-year-old, a guy that was probably somewhere in the $5 million range on a three- to five-year deal uh, in his talks with the Blues. I don't see him being one of those guys that's a one-year, $1 million deal or two-year, $1 million deal that could possibly make it work. And if the Leafs are bringing back O'Reilly, then that means that they're probably not bringing back Bunting or someone else. So do you agree with me that O'Reilly is a pure rental play? I, I do. I mean, at least right now, you have to look at it for those same reasons you pointed out from from an age standpoint, from the fact that when Kyle Dubas was pressed about it, they kind of said, well, you know, he takes the approach differently where they're just going to kind of let it wait and see and if it's the right fit. But at the same time, he has no problem with acquiring someone with term where that person is going to have to commit to beyond that season. So it's just by the letter of the definition. If you don't have a deal done and you don't act like Lou Lamorello where you're able to get a long-term extension discussed and committed right away, then by the face of it, it's a pure rental. And so uh, results, success, if Kyle Dubas is going to be around beyond this season, all of those are going to be factors in terms of what the Leafs look like next year. If Riley's going to uh, O'Reilly's going to extend or not, or or if he wants to peruse the market. I think, you know, anytime someone comes into Toronto and they get a feel for what it's like, they also kind of want to see what it's like during the difficult times in the playoffs are going to be the real test of that. And, and when things go south, if O'Reilly figures, yeah, this is the place I kind of want to go and kind of make a commitment to. But also, as you mentioned, the money has to work. They only have a couple of players locked in for the 25-26 season, and they still have a lot of extensions coming up this summer, Matthews and Nylander included, they have to figure out. 
Yeah, every facet of this, it seems like, David, will be judged solely based on how deep the Toronto Maple Leafs go in the playoffs. Thanks so much to David Alter for joining us today on the All32. You can follow him on Twitter, at DAlter. And if you're not following his work already on Inside the Maple Leafs on SI.com as well. Fantastic stuff and insight from David Alter. Thanks, David. You got it, guys. Thank you. All right, Mike, time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag AskDFO. We'd be happy to take your question. And today, it's centered on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Is there some kind of response coming from the Lightning? They are our focus on today's deadline countdown series, which will be appearing shortly on dailyfaceoff.com. We've got our Lightning playbook is today's story. And my question to you is, what will the Tampa Bay Lightning do? Who will they go out and acquire? Uh, That's what I've been trying to rack my brain to figure out trying to think like Julian Breezeball over the last couple of days. Well, Breezeball always managed to find a way to pull it off. Even without having a lot of prospects or draft or draft picks to do it, I think he's going to find a way to add a depth defenseman. I think he's going to find a way to add a bottom six forward that can speed up that lineup a little bit, Frank. That's my best guess. How about you? Yeah, I agree. I, I'm going to say something along the lines of uh, like, think like Jake McCabe from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could help in, in their defense core, uh, some depth on the back end, and also uh, someone that if you have two years at $2 million with the Blackhawks willing to retain, that's one. And I think up front, you know, someone like a Sam Lafferty would make a lot of sense. I just don't think the Lightning have the assets to pull off a deal like that when you consider their draft board and the picks that are missing, you consider their lack of cap space, all those things that come into it. Um, you know, I could see them maybe going after a lowercase addition, someone like a Noah Gregor in San Jose, someone that has speed, basically a lot of the same game as Lafferty and intangibles, but not necessarily the same production and more importantly, not necessarily the same cost. So the Lightning are certainly going to have to be creative. I said before, uh, they want to be aggressive. They want to go out and try and add. They want to shop at Gucci, but unfortunately are dealing with a Walmart type uh, wallet when it comes to the assets and cap space that they have. Let's get to Tyler Remchuk in our daily face-off points bet, daily bets segment. Yes, Frank, uh, it was another solid end of the week. I nailed my two bets on Friday since the, or since the beginning of February. I think I'm now up close to eight units on the year, so things are rolling along nicely. Let's see if we can keep the success going tonight. I am eyeing up, I am eyeing up that Seattle and San Jose matchup. Our friends at Points Bet Canada have the Kraken up at plus 165 on the road as favorites plus 165 on the puck line i love this spot the kraken have won two in a row covered in each of them the san jose sharks have been absolutely putrid on home ice this season 5 14 and 7. the kraken as a road team one of the best bets in the nhl 17 8 and 3 on the year i love taking them at a very juicy plus 165 as they look to extend their winning streak to three games i do have a shot prop for this game though and it comes on the san jose sharks side of things michael isamont his line has set at two and a half. This is not a guy that I feel like a lot of casual fans have heard of, but he's been ripping the puck as of late with no Timo Meyer potentially for the Sharks. He could see a lot of ice time tonight as well. He's hit this in his last four games. Plus 110 for something that's happened in four straight games. Sign me up. A couple of plus money bets on a Monday night to start the week, Frank. Love to see it. And Tyler, love to see you on a roll too. Let's get this man on a heater. Let's get him heading into trade deadline. Absolutely on fire. Thanks to Tyler for our points bet daily bet segment. That brings us to garbage time with Mike McKenna. And Mike, 
I was at the NHL Stadium Series in Raleigh over the weekend. It was a fantastic event. Uh, I would say that out of the 21 outdoor games that I've covered now to this point in my career, that one was in the top two or three. The tailgate scene was electric. It was absolutely mayhem around that stadium trying to get in. <laughs> Uh, they had beer pong going. They had an ice luge going. The sweet, sweet smell of Carolina barbecue wafting in the pines. It was a an unbelievable <laughs> environment, and the Canes certainly delivered. What did it look like from home? Well, it was visually awesome. You know, playing at NC State's uh, outdoor stadium that had red seats, black seats, like it just it felt Canes to the core. And man, they made good on it with the victory over the Capitals. But you know, this was really amazing to me because the Canes owner Tom Dundon so confident that this outdoor game would work he offered to underwrite any losses in the nhl well this sucker sold out in the first like five it was like tickets to the stones man tickets went so fast down there uh and i can tell you from a first hand like rolling into carolina as a player even for a regular season game frank you'd see people outside tailgating i can't imagine what it was like at this level you saw it firsthand i'm jealous of you i just hope you got to have some of that pulled pork with that beautiful mustard sauce that they have down. oh it's making me hungry man i gotta get out of here you're just I got to go eat. I'm jealous. Yeah, of it, is, it is lunchtime, awesome. and, and we'll wrap with that. I did not get a chance to have much Carolina barbecue, unfortunately. A flight cancellation limited my time in Raleigh to just about 18 hours, but it was well worth it. A college game day experience with the marching band and the student section and all the different facets that they brought to life in Carolina. Well done, NHL, with this year's stadium series. A reminder that in each market, it is still incredibly special, as the Canes were the 28th NHL team to participate in an outdoor game. Just four more to go. That'll do it for today's edition of Daily Faceoff Live. We'll be back with you on Tuesday, 12 noon Eastern. By then, it'll be 10 days left until the NHL's trade deadline. Buckle up, everyone. A lot to happen between now and then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.